Every aspect of your e-commerce business impacts customer experience. From advertising and packaging, to product functionality, website usability, and even reliability. Your long-term growth and profitability will hinge on your ability to deliver the best experience for your buyers. And this podcast will show you how. Tune in monthly for actionable and insightful discussions with the brightest minds at the intersection of e-commerce and customer experience. Welcome to the e-commerce customer experience podcast presented by Digital Genius. I'm your host, Chris Kellner. Hello and welcome to another episode of the e-commerce customer experience podcast. I'm pleased to have James McGee with me today. James is currently the head of customer experience at Foot Asylum, an accomplished sales and customer experience manager with extensive experience in multi-million pound operations. James has consistently achieved record high customer satisfaction rankings, improvements in bottom line, and a track record of turning around underperforming operations to prepare companies for fast growth and profitability. Welcome to our podcast, James. Hi, thank you for having me. Great to have you on. James, can we just kick off? You just tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to working in customer experience. Yeah, I'm not sure I could do a better job than, than what you just did. That was, a, that was a grand entrance. I started in, uh, in customer experience or customer services back then, years and years ago by chance, really. So I'd left the job to go to another job and that job pulled. And a friend of mine uh, worked at DRL. They had an opening for uh, a manager in the contact centre and interview and they liked me. So I wasn't sure that it would be a career, but it's um, it's served me well to date. Nice. And what's been, you know, if you had to pick out, and I'm sure there's been many, you know, if you had to pick out like, you know, one or two of your major motivations to really drive a career in helping customers, what would you say that would be? I think one is it's sort of in my nature to be caring and helpful. And that certainly stood me in good stead. Um, I've also seen the impact that it's had on a relationship with between customers and the business. And I've seen how that's helped the business grow. And I think no matter where it sits in your priorities, and it's always going to have a positive impact on the business via um, retention, good feedback scores, for example, that the public can see, or even just having a culture within the, the business um, around caring for people and um, certainly helps a business do that for not only its customers, but also its colleagues too. And I know, James, you've been the last few years working at Foot Asylum. You know, can you tell us a little bit more about the kind of the Foot Asylum story? Yeah, so we're an athleisure retailer. We've uh, recently been acquired after a, a lengthy sort of public CNA investigation or so, yeah, that's been a, a bit of a long period in my foot asylum history. We are certainly brand-led and we uh, like to think of ourselves as disruptive entertainers as a business, um, amongst other things. And But certainly, I'm sure a lot of people will have been watching it, will have seen our YouTube channel, for example. But fundamentally, we're a solid team of people that deliver exceptional results, and we've shown that through a pandemic and, and the whole um, CMA process. So, yeah, that's us in a nutshell. No, I love that. And disruptive entertainers is, is an interesting description for someone in this industry. We talk with a lot of, I guess, leading brands and all have their different ways of differentiating themselves. You know, can you tell us a little bit more about kind of the thinking behind that? Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's it, brand marketing, but it's born out of the ideas that they had to um, enhance our brand. I'm not you know, I'm, I'm not the uh, the best person to speak on it, I, would, uh, I wouldn't say, um, but certainly it's been a pleasure to watch. We have 
really embrace social media, especially YouTube, as I say, and we have a leading YouTube channel that entertains our customers under our brand, you know, two, three times a week with some amazing some amazing ideas as to how to keep that going. So uh, things like our locked in series, um, which is where we get a bunch of uh, content creators into a house for a couple of weeks and, and film their every move. That isn't necessarily something that you would that you would put next to a retailer, but we do those sorts of things so that we're always front of mind for people. Interesting. And and we obviously see a, a big, you know, focus on the on the customer at Foot Asylum and everything that you're doing, you know. You know, how would you say, you know, delivering a good customer experience has, has helped, you know, has helped you grow? I think I was brought in on the back of a particularly difficult um, peak period, which is our 100 metre final. That is, you know, when we are at our, at our best um, and we need to trade very well and we need to ensure that those orders reach a customer. Um, we had a period in the year before I joined where that that didn't really happen. So my role was created off the back of that. Um, and I think I brought um, stability to that. I think that's helped in terms of customer retention and customer satisfaction, certainly. And I think it's helped other areas of the business use the insights that customer give, customers give us to make improvements. We've got fantastic people in operational e-commerce marketing roles, but certainly around the operational and e-commerce side of things, um, I think I've certainly added a uh, the customer feedback element into um, into their work streams and in the things that they do and change. And everybody's been really receptive of it, so that certainly helped. But yeah, we have we've really sort of settled down the team in the contact center to be able to deal with peak our some of the strategy the strategic pieces that we do at peak have, have certainly been driven off um, off the feedback that we've had from customers in order to make sure that uh, they get their parcels on time when we said that we were when we said that we were going to do it. And I think that that is a key part of the journey that that was lacking beforehand. Once it was out of the door, for example. There was very little influence over what we could do with it, um, whereas now I think we are in a in a much better place in that sense. I'm sure you know coming into this peak and um, with the with the way the world is today, with with the disruption in the supply chain, you know, can you maybe talk us through you know some of the key initiatives that you have implemented over the last few years that have you know made made you much more prepared for kind of the peaks of the future. Yeah, well, I think as with any sort of retail business, a lot of the noise that you get from customers over that time is stuff that, that should be quite easy to handle, really. So wanting to make amendments to orders, wanting to see where their orders up to, wanting to um, do something on the day of delivery to change the delivery options, those sorts of things, because the buying process sort of goes out the window almost and people are, are laser-focused on what they want and go through that process without really thinking about the... Um, uh, about the impact of the post purchase on them, so you know they'll go and secure something without really knowing whether or not they'll be able to accept it when it comes. That sort of thing. So what we've done is we've invested in um, conversational um, virtual assistants, for example, where you can go through WhatsApp uh, and be able to talk to to our virtual assistant and say, "I'm not going to be in. I need a delivery into number four. They'll be able to make that change at the courier's end and be able to um, to affect that. That then handles a large proportion of our sort of noise queries, if you like, which still take time to resolve for an agent um, through WhatsApp or, or live chat. Our agents are now more available to be able to deal with the things that really need their, um, their help, um, like missing items or damaged items, which are crucial at peak to resolve um, because usually there's a, there's a, a Christmas 
involved or a Black Friday purchase, which um, was such a good deal, we don't want to miss out on it. So, you know, we are, we're better equipped to be able to deal with that because of the introduction of those sorts of things. Um, so, yeah, we'll be, fingers crossed and touch wood, much better equipped to deal with that this peak. Okay. Again, you know, focusing around peak and, and, and Christmas, it's obviously the most difficult time as well to, to help manage your people whether the most under the strain and is the most demand, you know, what initiatives have you put in place at Foot Asylum when it comes to kind of the agent, the agent experience, you know, your team to make sure, you know, they can help to, to run peak smoothly. There's one key thing for that for me, which is to use the sort of planning and resource to occupancy. And we try not to make them work every hour of all day we still need time to develop them we still need time to feed them we still need time to get knowledge into them and we still need time for them to be able to take a breather throughout the day so we tend to um, staff up we tend to allow for a greater period of time in our staffing models to be able to handle those queries um, and it's not just about squeezing every inch out of out of the team and um, it's about making sure that they're at their best to be able to to help customers because that's where things can really go wrong um, we all have higher wait times and we all have those sorts of things that happen at peak and uh, things that might go wrong. Um, however, when you do get through to somebody, you want to feel as though you're being listened to and that they're helping. So we try and give the team that space to be able to do that. No, that's really interesting. And I think it's the theme that you know a lot of businesses are coming to think about more and more is how do they maximise the agent experience that ultimately turns up in a really good customer experience. No, I think, you know, I was, I was reading your bio and in, I think in your four years at Foot Asylum, you've achieved rec- record high customer satisfaction and and significant improvements to the bottom line. If you had to pick out like, and I'm sure there has been many, you know, if you had to pick out your biggest win so far in, in one of the kind of the initiatives that you've managed to implement at Foot Asylum, you know, what would you say that would be? I would say, first of all, culture has been a, a biggie and there's still some way to go with that. I think departmentally, we made some some really excellent progress. And if I'm honest, the pandemic did a little bit of that. You're not really around each other and things. And that was, that's been quite difficult. And we review what our customers need, not what we want. So a big part of it for me is I think as customer service or customer experience professional, we can become sort of overly narcissistic and presume that every good experience that we've enjoyed is exactly the solution to, to our problem. Um, the amount of people that, you know, speak to me and say, I, was in X place the other day and they did this for me. Wouldn't it be great if we could do that? And it's just not relevant. What that per- what that team might have got well, uh, might have done well, sorry, is um, is that they might have personalised that experience to them. And that's the big thing, is understanding what our customer needs and doing away with the biases that sort of lead you to always do what you've always done and make changes based on on the data that's telling you what, what customers need. And that usually comes from customer feedback data or activity, you know, we see spikes in certain areas, um, in certain ways of contacting us or certain types of contacts, and that'll lead us to, to do that. Another one, a good example of that was we always uh, had uh, signatures required before the pandemic. Obviously, that all sort of went away with the pandemic. Um, but before that, uh, we required a signature for every parcel because we felt that that was the best way to deal with, with protecting any loss. However, we were able to save a chunky six-figure number by doing away with that because actually 95% of parcels were being signed for, so 95% of people were in. 
at that time. So you don't need it on every single pass. You might choose to do it with high value items and things like that. Um, but it just meant that you can reinvest that money into other areas of the business. Where it's, you know, it felt exceptionally unnecessary. So we listened to what our customers needed and they just needed for it to be on time. So that's what we assess. We assess the delivery promise rather than the signature success rate, for example. I'm really interested to build on that kind of culture piece. I think, again, it's something we hear quite often on the podcast around, you know, how do you change the culture to really make CX a strategic priority? And I think it is easier for people who have had quite a few years of experience in the role versus, you know, somebody who comes relatively new to maybe a growing e-commerce brand. You know, in, in your experience, what would you pick out like the key calls you think, the key skills that you think you need to be successful as a kind of a CX leader? I would say, so my skills as a CX leader, I suppose the, your outputs are going to be based on, on your ability, I suppose. I think the bigger thing when it comes to culture and anybody that's watched sort of Simon Sinek for five minutes and it's sort of like, um, culture for, for dummies, if you like. Uh, certainly, that's the way I describe it in the way that I learn it, is around the law of diffusion of innovation. I think that that's a really, really interesting concept that not enough people explore internally. You know, I think it's more widely known in terms of, in terms of marketing to consumers. However, um, it's a really easy way for my team to understand that if we don't all agree on something, that's going to permeate through the whole department. And that doesn't really matter whether it's contact centre or otherwise, but contact centres are uh, a sort of uh, microclimate of it. Um, you can you can very easily lose um, buy-in from a great number of people um, based on one person's reaction to something. So um, we're always very clear with each other that we must be honest and that we must discuss things that we may not agree with. But the law of diffusion of innovation states that if 16 to 18% of people agree with what or believe in what I believe, the rest will come along and you don't have to force it. It'll never work if you try and force it. And um, we've had some good success with that. As I said, I think I think that does require people to be, uh, to feel as though they're in a, um, well, to be near each other, I think. So we have a hybrid way of working as do a lot of businesses because it is necessary to have that. But we also understand that we don't need to be here five days a week and that, that does have benefits for people, don't get me wrong. But in order to build a culture, the easiest way, not the only way, I think, is to have people see the whites of other people's eyes and understand that they all believe in the same thing um, and that they're all part of something much bigger than um, just the work that they're doing. And what do you see as kind of like the, the, the main challenges that you know, a CX leader might come up against when, when really trying to be successful in what they do? Two things, a lack of honesty and a lack of intent. So a lack of honesty with each other around, as I said before, whether or not you agree with what you're trying to do. So yeah, it can be quite contentious, really, if you, certainly if you're looking at a post-purchase experience, um, because some of it can be quite costly or not be able to be put down with a, a return on investment, for example, but you just know that it, you, you know, you need to communicate well to your customers. You might need to go and invest in something that does that, for example. But intent is the biggest thing, certainly from a leader. I would say that I talk to my leadership team about it numerous times a week. When you uh, have a look at how you've gone into a, a situation, if we need to improve something, if our intent is to improve it because I've said so, um, then we're getting it wrong. The intent should be that this will improve all of our customers' journeys and therefore is fundamentally important to it, not just you know, you shouldn't just pay it lip service to say, yeah, I get it. And that's what I'm going to go and do. Our intent is is our outcome for me. 
if we intend to do it because I've said it, we'll do a job that just patches over enough cracks so that I don't um, find out about it, I suppose. Humans love the path of least resistance. I am an absolute believer in that and obviously a, a, an example of that in terms of the path of least resistance. But we have to just be honest with ourselves and have the right intent. And I think that that, is, uh, that will help with a lot of problems around communication, embedding, culture, rolling out new processes and procedures, all of the things that can affect that, that end relationship between the customer and the, uh, and the advisor in a contact centre setting. No, I'm interested in, in that, or again, something we've discussed previously is access to senior stakeholders and something we kind of discussed on a previous episode is, you know, I think we were talking about like, what are the main, how do you implement change? Like, how can you, where can you start? And it's often bringing senior leadership into the contact centre and actually he- hearing the voice of the customer. And, you know, that is a really good way to influence change if there's something which really needs to be done and it needs to be done immediately. Yeah, I, th- I think I think certainly you're gonna get a you're gonna get a quicker reaction. So something that I've embedded here um, and that I used in a previous role is almost t-shirt size in communications. So if it's a major communication that needs instant change and impact, you might get the CEO to deliver it, for example. Um, but if you've got time to embed it and train it in, the training department might doesn't mean it's any less important. It means that the that the method of delivery might change, and and that's something that we talk about quite a lot. In the main, it's team managers been able to do a brief, an email might suffice if it's something that's low impact and, and less important. Um, but certainly just assessing where that message should come from, because the other thing you have to be careful of is if I go out and say to my team that are dealing with customers, they must direct. As I said before, they're doing it because I've told them to do it. If we can somehow crack the code and make sure that they believe in what we believe in and we've seen that sort of across across the contact centers that i run if 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 they believe in what i believe in for example then they'll go into it with the right intent however if they do it because i i tell them that it's important they don't really understand it perhaps and, and perhaps don't um don't do it with the same vim and vigor that they would if Versus if you felt part of something, but I certainly think being visual, you know, my uh, although I'm sat in it now, I do have an office. I walk through, I talk to people, I go out and sit with people, I um, talk to people. If, you know, I always say, as there's a lot of leaded theme, my door is always open. I don't think people use it as much as they would like to because there is always that nervousness. But being visual and being able to to have that connection to the people on the front line, I think, is, is vitally important. Yeah. No, and I, th- I think, you know, that that's the same across any industry. I think you can't get the same virtually that maybe you can get with a kind of human touch, especially when it comes to challenging times. I think that, that brings me nicely on to my next point, kind of looking ahead, obviously, the, the next few weeks, months, years even might have perhaps could be interesting for all of us, uh, interesting in, in many different ways. You know, what, what would you say was, you know, when you're kind of talking to your senior leadership, you know, what are kind of the main priorities, you know, you're thinking about, you know, looking into the future, bearing in mind the current economic climate we're going into? There's, uh, I mean, there's there's many, many things. The one that I would call out the most is people are going to need to be, uh, well, we're going to have to be more human with people over the next couple of years because there are people in our industry, again, contact centres tend to be, in the probably the lowest 10 to 20 percent of any business in terms of pay um, they're going to be the most tightly affected and the, and the worst squeezed and they're going to be bringing more things to the table every day when they start work they're going to have all sorts running through that mind so one 
be more human and to understand uh, that they're going to need support. Try and make work an environment where they can grow, um, you know, make them more knowledgeable, understand who wants to progress and build progression plans. Try and create an environment where those, because it's all good and well having progression plans, try and create an environment where opportunities will will be there for people as well. So we're working on that from a, a people perspective and from a from a, a customer perspective, um, I want to really take some advancements in the tech that we've got, um, some around sort of sentiment analysis and how we're making them feel, but then also in those virtual assistants because time is going to be extremely precious. Through everything that's going on, the place where you don't want to be spending time is trying to sort out a problem for something that you bought, I would say. So we're going to be really, really respectful of that moving forward and um, and try and make it so that um, customers don't have to spend a lot of time dealing with things that we've caused. I think the economic climate and everything else, there's, you know, businesses are going to be affected and, uh, and all of that, but we're all going to need each other more than before, I think, for the next couple of years. So that's a really important sort of strain of um, of all the things that we're working on, but that is, that's massive for us. I think that's a really nice way to look for the future. I don't think all uh, you know, all managers, all leaders, all companies will be saying that right now is ultimately, obviously, we're going to be going through some difficult times and everybody will need some support. And the, the best place for support is, you know, the colleagues that you're spending every day with. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's it. You're going to spend most of your time here, but it's probably going to be the least of your worries for the next couple of years. And yeah, I think that that's really important that you feel as though they can come to work for a bit of a break, maybe, you know, and we can and, and see what we can do to, to help with that. But we're just going to listen, you know, feedback's amazing. You know, we all, as customer experience professionals, customer feedback, tell us, tell us, tell us. We don't do enough of that with our employees, I don't think, or, or a lot of companies don't, don't ask. So we'll be, you know, we'll be doing a lot more talking and a lot more support over the next couple of years because ultimately our customers will benefit from that. We've all had bad customer experiences um, that may have been born out of um, somebody having a bad day, Is uh, you know, but those days are going to become more frequent over the next couple of years no i love that and again looking into the future obviously james you've been on quite some journey i guess for the last decade plus you know working for some amazing companies you know what does the future hold for, for james mcgee if i'm honest I, uh, I don't know uh not in a bad way at all i mean i want to continue to be part of the senior leadership team at, at foot asylum and, and make a change in the business that i'm in personally i've got lots of aspirations in terms of my golf handicap um i'd love for that to come down but yeah, professionally, I think I am going to do everything I can to make the next couple of years easier for me and everybody around them. And I, at the minute, I'm really focusing on, as I said, we've been recently acquired. There's a lot of strategic piece for a lot of other people in the business. What's my part in that? But also, you know, how can how can I give back a little bit? I'm in a, you know, I suppose a lot of the people that you'll speak to will be in a fortunate position, not everybody, but we're in a fortunate position. How can I ensure that I am giving back a little bit? So, yeah, I've not sort of planned out any, well, I have, I have future aspirations. I've always got a plan as to where I want to get to, and but I've perhaps not gone into the same level of detail. I'm, I'm massively into um, understanding my role in sustainability at the minute, and that's due to um, our operations director has been leading the sustainability charge and bought us all a book by, uh, by David Attenborough. And some of the, the things in it really shocked, made me want to do more. So I'm trying to do more of that and some of the things which are affecting the world because I'm perhaps not at the forefront of that anymore. 
So yeah, understanding my impact on on things is a big part for me at the minute. No, that's that's really interesting. I think it's probably something uh, that we should all be thinking about right now. Well, James, thank you so much. It's been amazing having you on the podcast. I think you know there's been so many interesting things that have come out of today. But you know what I would summarize some really key takeaways for you know other CX leaders listening to the to this podcast right now is time is precious, and I think we all know that. So you know, being having access to the best tech, and that tech is constantly advancing is important. You know, care for your people. We're all going to be going through, you know, challenging times, and you know, the work work colleagues are often a good escape from the norms, and and really be there to support your people, especially in this industry where it's, you know, I think I'd take those as and final final piece is just culture. You know, culture of the customer is so important has been so integral to your journey and, and to foot asylum and their success and i think that you know that's a real good takeaway for brothers on this that that, that is so important in, in driving business success so james thank you so much for having you on the podcast thanks for having me hopefully we'll have you again soon yeah cheers thank you the e-commerce customer experience podcast is brought to you by digital genius digital genius uses cutting edge ai technology to streamline response times for support tickets the platform allows for flexible integration to existing systems and control over your processes, while significantly improving key performance metrics. To find out more about Digital Genius and how our intuitive platform combines AI, integrations and workflows to make your customers, team and mailbox happy, head to digitalgenius.com. Also, make sure to search for e-commerce customer experience in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found. On behalf of the team here at Digital Genius, thank you for listening.